Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Truckers Podcast. Current events, local, world news, and trending. I'm your host, Doug from London, Ontario, Canada. This is Sunday, April the 11th. Thank you for joining me this morning. gentlemen and welcome to the show Sunday a little cloudy out there this morning it looked like we had some rain overnight but yesterday was one of those days out there that uh, you could be outdoors gardening doing the things that you need to be doing hopefully it's all essential and that you are you know enjoying your weekend the best that you can you know especially here across Ontario Canada where we are in a stay-at-home order, a lockdown, and uh, emergency orders are in place. Now, sacrifice. What does it mean? The act of giving up something highly valued for the sake of something else considered to have greater value or claim. But in sacrifice is that the sacrifices that we're making today, not just as individuals, the sacrifices that our businesses have to make, the sacrifices that our frontline workers are making every single day in the position that our nurses are in. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Doug from Ontario, Canada. Thank you for joining me. Now, with our sacrifices that we have to make, you know, to wear a mask, to social distance, not to gather in large groups, The business owners, our small business owners, the sacrifices that they have to make every single day throughout this lockdown. And our frontline workers, our doctors and our nurses, and the fear, the frustration, the compassion and shame is what our nurses are dealing with during this pandemic and the pressures that are put on them every single day of their lives. Not just going home after a shift from the hospital, but have to return back to the situation that they left. Nurses share their stories. That is emotional draining a risk to their health, the pressures that are put on upon them. From our lockdowns to our reopenings, how we're doing this, from top government officials to the healthcare professionals of the uh, uh, medical officers, in our communities, you know, with what they want to see and they want the governments to do. And was our reopening act working? Because this is the third time that we've had to shut down.
We open up, cases go up, but the cases were always going up and they're happening in workplaces. Every single day, the outbreaks are happening in our workplaces, the small business. Yes, it's happened in the big corporations like Costco's and Walmart's. We have outbreaks. Yes, we started with the vaccines targeting our most vulnerable people, our nursing homes, retirement homes, people over 80 who are able to live at home, going through the age groups. But we never targeted the workplaces. Our frontline workers are essential workers. Their essential workers are making the sacrifices too every single day going to work. Your grocery store clerks, whether they work in a warehouse or they're working in the food, uh, in the food processing plants or they're working in automotive. But the fear and frustration is also hitting our nurses. And the stories that they share to give you some sort of idea, you know, the, pr the pressures and their mental health and the strains that they're under when the, when the ICUs fill up with people with COVID. And we're on an increase of cases. Thank you for joining me. I'm your host, Doug from London, Ontario, Canada. Now, there are close to 450,000 nurses in Canada. Some work in hospitals, some in long-term care, some are privately hired, but they all share one Commonly, since the beginning of COVID-19, they have been on the front lines of an international pandemic that has taken more than 1.4 million lives worldwide, including 12,000 in Canada. The work they've done has been in Doris, and a risk to their personal safety and health, but they have preserved the national talk to three nurses in three different provinces about their experience. Oh, there's one nurse from Toronto. Now, Toronto is the largest city here in Ontario. And all the regions that surround it, the greater Toronto area, is a hot spot. It's on fire on an epic level of outbreaks of COVID-19. This nurse, she is an acute care nurse at the Toronto Sunnybrook Health Science Center. In January of last year, out of, out of just out of nursing school, she was caring for a patient who was exhibiting symptoms of a virus that didn't even have a name yet. Thank you for joining me, people coming on my show. Thank you. He turned out to be the first patient to test positive with COVID-19 in Canada. There was a lot of uncertainty, but as a team, we kind of came together and supported ourselves. When it became clear the hospital needed to expand the intensive care unit, she volunteered to work in the ICU to support the, the staff there. It's been a 12 hour shift in the I, ICU ever since. So this is what she's been doing from the onset on the asset from a year ago. 
a number of things she has experienced when dealing with COVID-19 patients were new to her. From a nursing standpoint, the fact that a lot of patients with the virus get sick really, really fast. They can be present to the hospital with very little symptoms and they can progress very, very quickly to the point where mechanical ventilation is needed. It was really, she was really taken back because it's really traumatic to be put on a ventilator. And in her time in the ICU, she has helped care for dozens of COVID-19 patients and say most people don't realize how hard it is to be intubinated. You know, our nurses on the front line, you know, when people have to be admitted into the ICU because they're having a difficult, difficult time breathing from this virus on a daily basis. And our ICUs now are filling up to capacity. She's a nurse from the city of Toronto. She was caring for a patient on a ventilator and he had things where his body just on and off twitched. Where his teeth would, would bite down on the ventilator and his, and his teeth were actually coming out like the, like a bit part of, you know, and biting part of his tongue. And then, you know, she talks about as the hospital rules changed, you know, she had to tell her families of the seriously ill patients, um, you know, that they could no longer visit. So anybody who went in to the hospitals with COVID, families couldn't be by your bedside. Families could not be by your bedside while you laid in the ICU taking your last, taking your last breath. She says she tried to address the frustration she deals with daily, you know, by maintaining compassion. She says she never imagined that she'd be in a position to tell someone you can't visit your loved ones in the hospital. She says she tries to help them understand, you know, what they're trying to do, helping them feel that I'm on their side, even though the situation might be really challenging. The hands of many patients in the ICU while they holding their hands for those patients in the ICU while they passed away. Too many times, she says, patients' conditions had worsened and they have succumbed to the COVID-19 so quickly that their families couldn't even get there in time. You know, she talks about when she's at their bedside of a woman who died before her two daughters could get to the hospital. She was covering a break for a nurse who was the patient's primary care provider. So she, so she didn't know the patient very well. And she says, all I could really tell her is that I loved the color of her nails or that her hair was beautiful and that her daughters loved her. So I eventually told her over and over again that her daughters wish they could be here. I mean, I can't even, I, I can't even famine that. I can't even imagine what it's like, you know, for, for the nurses never and, and the patients 
going through this. And, you know, the sacrifices that they're asking us to make. And that's difficult on us too. But the, the strain on the healthcare system, the strain on the nurse, the human being. We may look at doctors and nurses as miracle workers. We look at doctors and nurses that they're gonna save our lives. We look at them that once we get into the hospital, that they're gonna take care of us and everything is gonna be all right and we, we put our, our, our trust in them. But they're just like you and me. We're going through this together but they're seeing everything on the front lines. They're the ones who are in that room. They're the ones in that room watching these patients pass away. She says it's important she didn't feel alone. She said it was an honor and privilege that I could you know, be there for the patients in their final moments. And here, as cases reach record highs in Toronto and the city finds itself, we're in a third lockdown. She says she wishes people could see what she sees in one shift in the ICU. She thinks it would scare them as much as it does her and to keep them vigilant against contracting or spreading the virus. Another nurse, she works with the homeless in the communities in Vancouver's notorious downtown east side. She also teaches nursing, does clinical research, and she participates in international deployments with the World Health Organizations that have included work, in, work on Ebola and other outbreaks overseas. And since this outbreak of COVID-19, she has been harnessing her experience to care for patients in Vancouver who are largely without other options. No, you're, you know what, you're absolutely right. About South Africa on, on Saturday, COVID is nothing this nurse signed up for. You know, they didn't sign up for this. You know, it is, you know, they signed up, you know, to, to obviously for care for you, you know, take care of you, but With COVID and how many people have died all over the world. You know, no, they didn't sign up for this. These are their sacrifices that they're trying to make, they have to make. Staying away from family for, for, for long hours. You know, some doctors and nurses, you know, they, they self-isolated away from their families. They didn't go home after their shifts. So she, you know, and you know, like I was saying, so since this outbreak, you know, she's been, been harnessing her experience to care for patients in Vancouver or largely without options. 
And these are, like I say, she works with the homelessness. And her patients are often, you know, dealing with many more issues than just possible exposure to COVID-19. Mental illness, addiction. Both at the same time. I feel for them really, I, I do too, you know. Um, every single day, <clears throat> Every single day, this is what they have to walk into. And every single day when they leave to go home and only to return back to the same situation. Their mental health is deteriorating like everybody else, but more, more so on, on, on an epic level than we can't even imagine. I can't imagine what they're going through, but I'm sharing these stories with you from these nurses telling you what they have to deal with every single day. The sacrifices that they're making. You know, People might say, oh, it's their job. I mean, that would just be plain ignorant, right? To even say that. You know, Vancouver, you know, in the Lower East Side, it is a... Um, just, just really terrible. It, it's, it's, you know, it's, it, it's so sad that, you know, they, you know, they have the highest rate of overdoses in all of Canada. And they deal with that on, on a regular basis before the even COVID hit this, hit this planet on an everyday situation where it's been an overdose crisis in the city of Vancouver on the Lower East Side. And now they're dealing with COVID-19 on top of that. People are still struggling with HIV and hepatitis C and other infections. She points out that asking homeless people to self-isolate or quarantine when they're exposed to the COVID-19 presents added, added challenges to the mo to most Canadians with a place to, to, to live, can't begin to understand. You have a home to go to. These individuals don't. And she, you know, this is her job, you know, to help these people on an everyday situation regardless of COVID. We do need, you know, we do, uh, you know, need real leaders. Now, and you know, part of her job also is, is training um, shelter workers in best practices for when people with symptoms show up on the doorsteps. She says, you know, the work and it takes the personal risk associated with it because how, how um, things are unfolding. Another nurse, she's from Calgary. Now, She has been off work. And um, that's when the 29 year old caught COVID while on a regular shift as a cardiac nurse in Calgary's Foothills Medical Center. And 
And her story is that she's still dealing with, you know, shortness of breath, you know, where she can't, you know, cause you know, she's a, a fit young lady, you know, who usually can run, walk, hike, usually, you know, she's quite active, but she's still having some effects of COVID and they call them the long haulers. They're going way above and beyond the line of duty, you know, and getting, you know, and getting the, the, uh, the recognition they deserve. And this is why, you know, today I want to talk about that and, and get their, and get their stories out so that, you know, you can have some sort of understanding of what they're going through every single day. Yes, as citizens of our of our countries and our cities, yes, we're going through, you know, uh, financial difficulties. Um, it's affecting our our uh, our mentality, our mentally. You know, it's it's a you know affecting our school children in in so many different ways, but this is on such a more different level when it comes to our healthcare professionals. She talks about that she's been experiencing a lot of anxiety. When you're going to think you'll be fine. And she was one of those people that wasn't worried about getting it. And so the fact that it has been a prolonged recovery period and that, you know, I'm lacking a lot of that stanima that she once had. Yeah, it's been hard for sure. And this is a nurse working in the hospital and she contracted COVID-19. We can't think, you know, that you know, they're in that they're in that hospital, they're in those wards that they're safe to. Well, they can get COVID just like you and me. She talks about she she had she had tried to return to work twice but was unable to both times. Her symptoms have continued to be deliberating. So, you know, she has the symptoms still, you know, and, you know, she's a long hauler. Another nurse here, you know, the shame of not being able to go back to work when I felt like I should, that has been okay. It makes you feel pretty shameful as well. She wants to go back, but she feels this way. She almost feels like she's letting her patients down because she can't return to work. Our doctors and our nurses always and should always deserve the respect that so many times they're not given that respect. Never mind COVID-19, never mind being on these front lines and patients being rushed into the hospital because they can't breathe because of COVID-19. On an everyday basis, we, we take things for granted. We take our freedoms and liberties for granted. But when life really matters, and they have to hook you up to a breathing machine that changes everything. 
So the sacrifices that they're asking us to make every single day, ladies and gentlemen, I know it can, I know it's difficult, but not on the same level as our doctors and nurses. Your old team driver entered the show. Thanks for joining me. Now, if you know anybody who is a nurse or a doctor who is working on the front lines in the ICUs in our hospitals, give them a big thank you. They are our frontline workers. They are on the front lines. For someone to say to me that you have to wear a mask, I don't have a problem with that. For someone to say to me that you have to social distance, I don't have a problem with that. Not to gather in large groups, not to have parties. That's some of the problems that we're having because there are people out there who are doing these things that you're not supposed to be doing. But in order to help these doctors and nurses too, you know, with these vaccines rolling out, it's imperative that we get these vaccines, not just continue with the most vulnerable people, but to our essential workers the people who work in the grocery store, the people who work in our food processing plants, our warehousings. These were all the outbreaks are coming from. I talked about a gentleman, um, one of my shows last week that he had to go into work and his employer says, well, you have to come in because you know, the outbreak wasn't on your shift. And he's a minimum wage worker. So he, he has to, you know, make a choice. I, I need to, you know, I need to go into work or I'm not going to get paid. So he goes in on a shift. And he was diagnosed with COVID-19. They gave it to his daughter. His wife contracted COVID-19. A healthy female at the age of 47, his wife died. Our vaccines rollout here in Canada, well, we've had our hiccups along the way shortages of the vaccines. But our government is now really starting to listen to our essential workers out there and our healthcare professionals, our doctors and nurses have been calling for this to get these people vaccinated. You vaccinate them at the same time, we can vaccinate the, the most vulnerable people. And here we are once again in a lockdown. You know, it's been a very, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I see what you're saying. Um, it's, it's, um, it's been, um, a very low, low percentage. And that's, you know, it's still unfortunate that that has happened. Right. It is, it's unfortunate that has happened that, uh, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's the most embarrassing display ever incompetence on every turn, you know? Yeah, you know, it is, it is. 
but um well here we are and here you know this is the situation that we're in now and you're right i mean i mean we could have done so many different things along the way you know i mean we i mean look at the first initial lockdown i mean we locked down for what three months four months and things got a little bit better so last spring last summer we could start to open up you know it went okay of course there's there were still cases out there that were still going up you know and then we're being told that the winter's going to be you know hard long dark days they weren't wrong you know we go into lockdown the day after christmas And then to start reopening up again, using the, the, the color code frame of the Reopening Act of Ontario, allowing different areas of the province to open up. And where the city of Toronto in the in the in the York regions, in the in the Peel regions have been in lockdown, gray lockdown since November 2020. And that place is an inferno. It's an inferno of COVID. They have the most cases. They have the most cases, probably not just in the province, but they probably have the most cases in all of Canada. A population of a province of 14 and a half million people. And we have the most cases. We're seeing almost 4,000 cases a day right now here in Ontario. I think we just dropped a little bit under 4,000 cases per day. And this is the strain that we're putting on our hospitals. This is the strain that we're putting on our doctors and nurses. And this is just a couple of stories from the, from the nurses around this country from the city of Toronto to Vancouver and to Calgary. And these stories will stem on from every single province in our territories. The fear, the frustration, they feel the, the compassion and they feel shame. Shame they shouldn't have to feel. They're going to have the fear. They're going to have the frustration. And they're still going to give you compassion. That's a lot of emotion for a human being to have it all the same time. We have fears of our essential workers. They fear to go to work. They fear because they have to, because there is no sick pay. Yeah, the federal government will give me money, but it's gonna take time to get it. The province here in Ontario, and they've talked about this many times, that they need sick benefits because they can't afford to stay home. And our outbreaks across this province is on an epic scale. And it's putting all the pressure and all the strain on our healthcare professionals who every single day looking at COVID in the face. We have to make sacrifices ourselves. The sacrifices that you make today 
could potentially help our healthcare system, our help our nurses, help our doctors. Last year, I don't know how many did. I have no idea. I don't know how many people last year did. You know, I know in 2017, 2018, it was one of the worst influenza outbreaks for the United States where they had 61,000 people die in a six month period of that's basically what the flu see. That's what the flu season is, right? So that, that, that amounts to, you know, 10,166 deaths, deaths per month in that year with influenza. The United States has 560,000 people who have died from COVID-19. Now, when you break that over, over, over the monthly periods, it's 46,666 deaths per month. And the difference of 36,500 more deaths per month than their worst year of the influenza outbreak. There's no comparison here, ladies and gentlemen. You cannot compare apples and oranges because they're not the same. When you're having an average of 46,666 people die per month, compared to that one bad year of influenza, there's no comparison here. This COVID is not the flu. When you have that many people dying like that on a monthly basis in a country and the strain that you're putting on your health care and the anxiety and the frustration and the fear we're putting into these doctors and nurses not just in the United States, not just in Canada, but all over the world. There's no argument here of what is worse. No, that's right. That's right, it doesn't. Testing positive doesn't mean COVID COVID killed you, you know, Yet they list, what is that? That they list uh, as a cause of death. So the numbers still are very, you know, well, I mean, look, they either, they either you know, um, had, you know, look, people have underlying health issues. You may even have that yourself. You, you know, I may even have un- underlying health issues. Right? But that's maybe not even the thing that had, had, had just killed you. Getting a respiratory disease such as COVID-19 and you have these problems, yeah, potentially you're gonna, die, you're gonna die, but healthy people are dying too. People in their 30s, people in their 20s, people in their 40s are dying too. This isn't, you know, this isn't uh, a, an old age disease. The other problem that we're facing here, and look, you know what the United Kingdom is doing right now? They're giving everybody a, 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 a home test. You can take the COVID test yourself. Everybody in the United Kingdom. And you get that fast result. 
You know, why the hell are we not doing that here in Canada? And we can find out who's asystematic. And those are the ones who have COVID, not showing any, any symptoms, but spreading it unknowingly. An instant test, yes, absolutely. We should be doing that here. And yes, many decades ago, we should have been making vaccines here in Canada. I mean, sorry, you know, Canada is still living in the dark ages. You know, it's absolutely crazy that, you know, Canada, you know, and not all regions of Canada. I mean, we have regions here in Canada that are doing extremely well. But here in Ontario, the largest populated province is on fire. And how do we let it get so bad that we have to have another lockdown, stay at home order, the emergency act has just been enacted. state of an emergency here in the province of Ontario. We just have to wait to see where we go from here. But don't forget to thank our healthcare professionals. And this isn't just affecting the nurses, ladies and gentlemen. What about the paramedics? They're doing, dealing with this on, an, on a daily basis. They're the ones who are taking you to the hospital. Call after call after call. Working overtime as well. Well, yeah, it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, both, both here. Yeah, you know, you know, it is, it is absolutely. And it, 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 it has to start with government. It does have to start with government. And I don't know, it just seems that here in Canada, you know, we're behind and we could be doing so much better. But, you know, politicians are the politicians. Nothing we can do about that until we vote again. But then you get another politician and nothing flipping changes. So anyways, ladies and gentlemen, I thank you for your input. Thank you for your, your um, remarks. Yeah, well, that's right, too, right? We learn from our mistakes, you know, and hopefully that we do, you know, on all levels of our health care. You know, from from the uh, from getting vaccines to making vaccines to our, our personal protective uh, equipment. Um, you know, it's when all this took place and all these outbreaks happening a year ago, you know, you could see how fragile our healthcare system, you know, really is, you know, 
and on a on and on a brink of just falling apart. And it took a pandemic to open that up. And we can see what it literally looks like here with our healthcare. Time's gonna tell what our governments are gonna do and how they're gonna listen and how they're gonna smarten up. But thank you for taking the time, ladies and gentlemen out here, joining me here on the Truckers Podcast. It's always a pleasure to have you here. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. And it's always a pleasure to share these stories with you. This is the Truckers Podcast. I'm your host, Doug, from London, Ontario, Canada. Take care. Be safe. Thank you. Thank you.